Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel, and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. As you are following along with us, we're going through our series called, Who is King Today? In order to identify the king today, we're describing all six powers of the king. In our last two episodes, we talked about the lawmaker and also the CEO, two powers of the king. In this episode, we will talk about the head of state. Greg, who is the head of state today? Leo, I'm so excited that we're at this conversation. The head of state is actually my favorite power of the king. And today, depending where you're from, it's held by a lot of different people. In Canada, it is still the Queen of England as the head of state. In the United Kingdom, obviously the Queen of England. And in many parliamentary countries of the world, they still have a monarch that holds this position. In Israel, they separate prime minister from president. Prime Minister, Head of Government, CEO, like we talked about last time, President, Head of State of the Nation. In the United States of America, it's the President of the United States. It's the Governor of your state. And if you want to know who the Head of State is, the best place to look is who's on the money. The currency often reveals the Head of State. So we think about Rome. When Jesus said whose face is on that coin, it was Caesar's. Caesar was the symbol of the Roman people, Mm -hmm. just like Queen Elizabeth is the symbol of the British Empire or what's left of it today. That's great. Greg, what does the head of state do? As far as legal and day-to-day matters, it's ceremonial. But what we know from the scriptures It's extremely consequential. I would argue this ceremonial position that has no power on paper Hmm. is the most important role of the king. And what it is, it is the example of the life that you live. Mm -hmm. The head of state is the role model of the country. And we know people rise and fall to their role models. Mm-hmm. And we often encourage in the realm of education, model up, model up, model up. And what's fascinating in 1 Peter 5, Peter's given specific instructions to the shepherds. He says, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording over those entrusted to you, but, but, being examples to the flock. Mm. The life that you model matters greatly. Mm-hmm. I think of this in the church world. Um, we've had, unfortunately, many pastors that have been just compromised. They've made mistakes. They've sinned. And as a result of that sin, their teaching is largely not widely used anymore. Mm. And 
books, massive productions of uh, podcasts that people once listened to get pushed aside. And the teaching's just as relevant as it was before. But because that example is gone, the teaching goes with it. And what is fascinating about every single king of Israel, the very first thing you learn is what kind of head of state were they. <laughs> and for some of the kings, it's the only thing that we learn. And this is what I mean by that. The scriptures will say, King so-and-so, son and so-and-so reigned this many years in either Judah or this many years in Israel. And they walked like their father David, or they did not walk like their father David, or for the northern kingdom, and they sinned like their father Jeroboam. Mm -hmm. From that one verse, you know how the whole rest of the reign is going to go. But not only for the king, but for the people. Mm -hmm. Look at the difference of the people under the leadership of Manasseh versus Hezekiah. Right. It's significant. And we follow our role models. Mm -hmm. The Bible makes that extremely clear. And that is why I'd argue this is the most important role that the king gives us and everything else, all five of the other powers overflow from this. That's very good, Greg. It's very helpful to understand what the head of state does, but also how important that role is, not only for the king, like you mentioned, but also for the people. Greg, getting now into history and from the scriptures as well, what are some examples of good head of states and the impact that they had in the people that they were leading? My favorite example in the scriptures comes from the book of Jonah, and that's the king of Nineveh. What I love about this one is an unlikely story, but it's what happened. And I, I want to paint a bit of the picture here is I want to show just how little of a part we play sometimes. Mm -hmm. So Nineveh is the capital of Syria, the city of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire was the superpower of its day. It was the Rome of its day. It was the Britain, the London, the, the United States. It was that. And Nineveh was its capital city. And God sent Jonah to proclaim that I'm bringing judgment on this city. And what we know about the Lord is he's very patient He's slow to anger, and he's abounding in everlasting love. And we got to witness the Lord's patience with Abraham when he negotiated on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you remember in the story, he got God down to 10 people. If there's 10 righteous people, Lord, would you spare the city? And God said, Abraham, if there's 10 righteous people, I'll spare the city. And I don't know this for sure, but I've heard this from other pastors, that Lot's family was about nine people. So mm -hmm. God was saying that there's one person outside of Lot's family, I'll spare the city. Now, I don't want to fixate on that number 10. I don't want to put an equation to this. But what I want to highlight is 
a small faithful remnant, God was willing to spare a city. So I look at this point where God's sending Jonah to Nineveh. This city is not in good spiritual health. Mm. It is in a very dark, evil, wicked place. And earlier we talked about how the people follow the king, right? So when Hezekiah became king, the people of Israel's behavior changed. Mm -hmm. Then when Manasseh became king, it changed another way. So odds are, if this city is wicked enough that God's going to judge it, we're likely dealing with a very wicked king emperor. Mm-hmm. And that's the story that we're coming into right now. And I also think about Jonah in this story. Jonah did not want to go. So much so that he had to get swallowed by a whale to get there. Mm-hmm. And God sent him to be a messenger saying, I'm going to destroy this place. Mm -hmm. And I cannot imagine that Jonah is concerned about a winsome message. (laughs) And the evidence I have to that, he's all upset when they repent. So you have an unwinsome prophet bringing a message to a very wicked empire led by likely an extremely wicked emperor. Mm -hmm. And here's what's remarkable. When the news of judgment reaches the emperor's ears, here's what the scripture says in Jonah 3. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. The very first thing the king did is he led by example Mm -hmm. of repentance. After doing it by example, he called on the nation to follow him. Mm -hmm. And he says, what I know about God is that God is a God of mercy, slow to anger, and abound in everlasting love. Perhaps he will turn back and relent Mm -hmm. on the judgment he proclaimed to us. He did not hear this from Jonah. I can almost guarantee you that. This king knew about God well before Jonah showed up into the city. Mm-hmm. And what's remarkable is this wicked king turned by example and asked his people to follow. Mm-hmm. And we know the end of the story. God spared the city. And for 150 more years, Assyria would rule in the land until another prophet came named Nahum who proclaimed the message again, but except in Nahum, there isn't this story. There isn't a king that heard the message who turned and led the people to repentance. It doesn't happen there. Mm -hmm. And Assyria falls. It falls into judgment. The king did this as head of state. Mm -hmm. He didn't issue a law. He didn't open up his courtroom. He didn't send out his army and force people to repent. He led by example, and the people followed The king matters in the salvation story. The king matters in the spiritual health of the nation. The head of state matters even when it has no written power. Just like a pastor in their job description, the the main thing that they do 
is live by example. It's mm-hmm. not giving the messages on Sundays. It's not meeting up with people one-on-one. It's not getting the gospel in the city. The example, the life they live will greatly impact that congregation. And the same thing for a nation. And right there in the scriptures, we saw the power of it. That's very good, Greg. Jonah really highlights the importance of the head of state. Greg, besides the passage from from Jonah, what else could you give as an example in the history of the United States on uh, or in the world that of a king that really held that power um, and understood the power of the head of state and used that to lead the nation, just like you are describing um, the the king of Nineveh did. There's two great examples I look to. One is Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln really believed that America was in a civil war because of God's judgment on the nation for slavery. We saw that in his second inauguration when he said, for five years, both of us have read the same Bible and prayed to the same God. He hasn't answered either of our prayers. It's because he's on neither of our sides. Could the Civil War perhaps be judgment for the sin of slavery? He says, every drop of the blood shed on the battlefield is payment for the lash of the slave. Every dollar spent in war is from the unpaid wages mm-hmm. owed to slavery. And Lincoln 35 times called our nation to prayer, fasting, and repentance. No one that we needed to repent. And another one I look to is an actual king, King George VI. Mm-hmm. We often remember Winston Churchill when we think through World War II and the United Kingdom's role in it. But in America, we often overlook King, James, king George VI. But in Europe, they don't. In Europe, they remember him very well. Mm-hmm. And King George VI is Queen Elizabeth's father. He unexpectedly took the throne when his brother abdicated it. He was not the original heir. King George VI, when France fell, and it looked like Britain would soon follow, was asked to leave the United Kingdom and go to Canada. And at the time of World War II, the British Empire was still very intact. And there was armies from Canada, there's armies from India, there's armies from all other parts of the British Empire. And Prime Minister Churchill encouraged him to move. He says, we need you as the king and emperor to command the armies from Canada. The king refused to go. The king said, what example would I be to my people mm-hmm. if I left? I would signal to them that Britannia was definitely lost. I'm going to stay. He stayed through the London bombings. Buckingham Palace we bombed nine times, many times while he was home. Escaped many near-death experiences. The king would not only not leave, he would go out into the city with the people and clean up rubble and look for survivors. And when asked about it, King George VI said, if the king of kings came to serve, how much more does the king of England need to come to serve? Mm. And he lived his life as an example. 
And something that he would later be famous for is he printed up these posters that we see in pop culture all the time today. He printed up these posters. And he says, I want these posters to go up when the German army is 20 miles outside of London. And I'm going to stay. And the German army will likely kill me. But I want these posters up as a final message to my people. When it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like the darkness is won, you keep calm and carry on. Hmm. You keep calm and carry on. King George VI understood the importance of the head of state. And he was able to inspire and move the people as both a political but also a spiritual leader of the nation. The posters never had to be used. The German army never was successful in invading mainland England. They would later be found in the 1990s in an old war propaganda room and later became the popular phrase, keep calm, carry on. But that's its original history. It's actually an example of the power of head of state. And Winston Churchill said that there's no one that deserves more credit for the victory of the United Kingdom in World War II than King George VI. Hmm. That's the head of state. That's so good, Greg. What a great example of a leader, a king that understood the power of head of state and held to that power even in the midst of suffering and life-threatening situations. But Christ calls us to set the example for the people in our church and set the example as pastors and also our governing authorities to set the example, to be the example for the people to follow. And it does matter and impact even more than legal power on our hands. So thank you so much for sharing that, Greg. Thank you for listening to our episode today. We're looking forward to getting to the other power of the king and, um, and see how impactful they are to, to the people. Thanks for joining us today. The Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com backslash church.